Thank you, men. Got us kind of revved up a little bit. Appreciate it. I saw Kelly come up those steps, and he bounced up the steps. He didn't touch but about one or two. And I thought, you know how I have to hang on to come up. But with that, I thought, man, life, I believe I just about jumped to the top. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it very much. Very much. Good day in the Lord, isn't it? And it is good to be here, just to be able to worship. And you know what? When we worship, we worship Him that one day we're going to see again. Thank God. Now, I'm not going to read all the scriptures that I have uh, put up today, but there is a reason why that I use all of those, or at least put those up there for you. In fact, in the book of Luke, the Bible says that Jesus grew in statue and favor and in grace. And I just wanted you to see that, in grace. And then you get to Acts chapter 11, and the Bible says that the church was flourishing and that the grace of God was prevalent and God was moving. And Barnabas and the church at Jerusalem heard that, you know, Stephen had preached the word and he was killed because of it. But yet the whole world was beginning to know the gospel. And at Antioch, they were growing by leaps and bounds. And the Bible says that Barnabas was sent up there to see the grace of God, to see the grace, how that God was at work. And then in Colossians, it talks about, Paul talks about living in the grace of God to the Colossae church. And then in Peter, Peter was talking about living and amplifying the grace of God. And then in the book of Titus, Paul talks about the grace, the, the marvelous, the amazing, the astounding, wondrous grace of God. And I want us to plug in in uh, Titus and allowing all these others that I've mentioned to kind of tie together with that. Titus 2, verse 11 through 15. Actually, we'll probably be just using the first uh, couple of verses there. And it's, uh, my Bible has the little heading of trained by saving grace. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly, just, uh, worldly lust, not just, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ that we just heard sing about and you and I sing about in grace, 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 who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Would you bow as we pray? Father, oh, we come to you to talk about your marvelous, wondrous, precious, precious grace that you extended to us. 
And Lord, not only us, but to everyone. You said that your grace came to all. And so we see there's no excuse for no one on the face of the earth. And Lord, it's our responsibility to share that grace to everyone around this world. And we're grateful we're part of a church that believes and is sharing that grace here at home as well as abroad. Thank you for hearing us now and speak to us and in us and help us, Lord, as you speak to our heart that we'll be submissive and that we'll act upon what you say today. In your name we pray, amen. Grace, the amazing goodness, we could just stop there and camp out. The astounding, we could camp out. The marvelous, hallelujah, the wondrous Grace of God that we found and we find in the Bible describing grace to some is hard, but it is not. Most of you hear the definition of grace as being unmerited favor of God. Grace. You see, that's probably the proper definition of it. But let me say to you today that grace, grace is all that you need and that all that you do not deserve, that is grace. Grace is doing everything for those who deserve nothing. And that includes us today. It is God doing all things. It is God given grace. And with that, some of you perhaps have heard the acrostic of grace as we defined it, and many of you have heard it, I'm sure, as well as we talk about grace, having grace. Grace is God's riches, God's riches at Christ's expense, God's riches at Christ's expense. You see, you have that definition in your life as you live that. The grace of God that you have received. Grace is God who is in heaven that we don't see, but we see the manifestation of who he is through Jesus as he gives to us that great grace. Grace is God grasping upon us and grasping that from his son Jesus. Grace is God gathering as he gathers us together. Grace is God giving to us and grace is God guiding us wherever we need to go. Grace is God redeeming and he has redeemed many of you. God's grace is reaching out to whosoever will around the world. Grace is restarting our lives and giving us a new grace. Grace is, is requiring us to do some things. Grace is reconciliation, not only between us and God, but between us and each other. Grace is reconciliation then, getting right. God's amazing, God's wondrous, God's marvelous grace. Grace can be said as atoning, as atoning for us, or achieving, or abiding, 
are appealing are perhaps as one who is a king who comes. God's amazing, remarkable, powerful, glorious, astounding grace of God. God's amazing, remarkable grace that we have. It is God calling. It is God claiming. It is God appealing. It is God coming to us where we need to be and give us that that we need. It is God extending. It is God enduring. It is God exhorting through his son Jesus. It is exhorting his amazing grace. Why can we talk about his amazing grace this morning? Why can we talk about his amazing grace today? Why can we get excited about that amazing grace today? That calling and that claiming and and that caring, that bringing us to him, that extending, that grace that is enduring. Because I want to tell you, it's God who gave it to us. It's God who gave it to us. And is giving it to us. And so therefore I can say to you. God's amazing grace that we don't deserve. But God has given us everything that we don't deserve. And nothing you can do. You cannot buy it. You cannot make it happen. You cannot do those things. There's none of us that can. But it is only God that extends it to us. And it is God who applies it to our lives. And I get excited about talking about his grace, great grace, that he loved me when I was lost. Even as a young kid, I was lost without him. And he saw me and he gave me his grace. He called me and he claimed me. And he cares for me today just as he cares for you. Very quickly looking at these passages of Scripture today, as I look together, especially verse 11 through 15 of chapter 2 of the book of Titus, as Paul talks to Titus here, I think there's two things that I would leave to you and leave with you about this marvelous, wonderful, exciting, thrilling grace that God has given to us and that you have enjoyed thus far in worship today. I think, first of all, he's describing to us a saving that I talked about a moment ago and a transforming grace of God, a saving and a transforming grace grace of God. There is benefits that we have. Look at verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation. And we talked about that all the way back. We saw Jesus as he grew in grace. He knew what he was going to do. He was here for the purpose of giving us eternal life. We saw the evidence of it. In the book of Acts, and we can pick up others. We saw the evidence of it in Colossians. We see the evidence of it in the book of Peter that I mentioned just a moment ago. 
And we see the evidence here as Paul is talking to a young, a young preacher, Titus, and saying to him, this is what God's given to us. Extend it to others and let them know as well. So there is that saving, transforming grace of God as verse 1 talks about, that was brought through a person, Jesus Christ. Brought through a person, Jesus Christ. Not only that, but it was brought by a great person, God. We believe that God is one, Jesus is one, yet working together. And it was brought to us through that person, for by the grace of God, it is God that saw us, his creation. He made us perfect, man sinned. God didn't throw us away. He didn't kick us away. He didn't drown us and say, I'll never have anything else to do with you. But all down through the ages, he gave opportunity after opportunity for people to trust and to trust and to trust and to, and to believe him. And they could have eternal life too. Only until Jesus came that he saw that there was a need that he would give a perfect sacrifice. He would give one without blemish, one that you would not have to pay for, one that he would pay by giving that perfect individual son, Jesus, to come to this world. That's why I chose back there in the book of Luke again when he said that he grew in the grace of God. You remember when he was baptized? We'll baptize a few today. And when they were baptized upon, you know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit anointed him. And then as a dove, as he would see as a dove, he, would, he was able to see a present and he described it as a dove and he described it as from God and God's grace and the power and the Holy Spirit upon the life of Jesus. And he grew in grace and knowledge of God and he loved mankind and he came here. I think the first service that I ever preached at this congregation back in January, I mentioned the fact that I would like to mention again today, we see that there is a sinless man. In fact, we come to that bought for by a person. You see, it was brought through that person, but it was bought by a great person, Jesus Christ coming all the way from that sinless, perfect heaven where there is no sin and never ever will be any more sin. Come all the way to this world that is black with sin, black with curses, black with evil all around and, and took upon himself the form of this world and then became a part of this world's sin. He took the sin upon himself that he could be able to take you and I back to a sinless heaven, not only just going there by just saying, I want to go, but by believing and trusting and accepting, turning away from our evil ways, turning to God, repenting of our sins and saying, yes, I believe you, God. I know the world is full of gods, but I believe you, God, you Holy Father. 
I believe Jesus came and he gave his life on that cross that I could have eternal life. Listen, the grace, that wonderful, marvelous, that grace of God that is superior from any other the realness of God. You were saved. He picked you up and now you have your name in heaven. We sang about that. The men sang about that just a while ago that we will be able one day to meet together inside of heaven. Amen. Then he said, not only was it brought through a person and bought by a great person, but there he also says that it was brought to all people. I could camp out here all day long also, but I would like to just kind of, uh, I don't want to casually move through it. But I want to say that I think there's a moment in everyone's life when they're going to have to come to the place that they have said, I have had a glimpse of God, maybe not like Baptist sees it, or maybe not like Protestants see it, but if they believe God, whoever they are out there, wherever they are around the world, God makes himself known. This is what Paul is saying, and that God, and that he has come to all men. Now, I, I see that in my Bible. I don't know if all of us see that or not, but he said, has appeared to all men meaning everybody, and not leaving out any. That didn't mean that all would be saved, but that he has appeared to all. His grace is available. His grace is available to everyone, everyone, whosoever will. Secondly, as I look at these verses, not only is it designed as and described to us as Paul is saying to Titus as a saving transformation grace, but he says that it is basically described as a type of schooling or a type of training. And uh, in the uh, verse 12, he says, teaching us to deny some things. In other words, there's some things that he says. I want you to, as you trust me, as you receive this grace, this grace is available for you and it will help you. Grace is going to train you. You see, we get a hold of heaven. We get a hold of God. Something happens to us. A holy God is inside of us. Evil can't live any longer. I know we act like the devil sometimes. You may watch me and I may look like him sometime. You may get around me sometime. And honestly, I may, I may just act just like the devil sometime. And uh, you might say, what in the world's going on? Well, you see, there's the old human flesh that wants to come out and start. But you know what? I can't act like that very long because the grace of God gets a hold of me. The Holy Spirit of God gets a hold of me. I see a perfect God. I see a God that loves me. And he teaches me that there's some things that I have to reject in my life. And this is what he says in this verse teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly just, and we should live, and we're going to see that in the next point here in just a moment. Denying ungodliness. What is he saying? Everything, everything that, that God tells me is wrong, it would be anything that I can't take to heaven. 
anything that I can't take to heaven. You see, that that I'm, I'm hanging on to, the ungodliness of my life, the ungodliness of, of, of things, and, and we could camp out here too, but those things that we can't take to heaven, that would be ungodliness. Those would be ungodliness. Could I take them to heaven and stand before God with whatever sin or, or whatever ungodliness that I may have? Or secondly, he says, worldly lust. Again, those things that I can't take to heaven. God has declared that I should not. But yet inside of me, I'm desiring. It just craves. It craves for things that is not right. You know, my spiritual craves for the word. It craves for the goodness of God. I want to pray. I want to talk to God. It craves for worship. It craves for being together, coming together. But those worldly lusts are those things that the old flesh keeps craving after. It keeps craving and digging after and wanting. And Paul is saying, listen, grace helps to teach me against that ungodliness and that worldly lust. And I've got to set it aside. Set it aside. And then he goes further. It not only teaches me what I have to reject, and we could, listen, we could camp out here again. We could, we could kind of get on a tangent of, in those things. And, but you and I are the only ones that have to deal with it personally. I may not deal with those things I need to reject as like you do or you to me, but we're different in that and that. But God has said that through the grace of God, Paul said that we're to reject some things that would keep us from being like him. And that was ungodliness and worldly lust. Then he said, grace teaches me that I need to receive something Praise God, I need to receive something. And this should help us in the same verse here, he says. And we should be in soberly. Basically, he's talking about relationships should be right. Here he's talking about soberly, a soberly relationship, a self-worth relationship. My self-right and righteousness, my personal relationship with God and with others. And then secondly, he says that he uses the word righteously. This means manward, meaning that I have to be in right relationship with you. We have to be in right relationship with each other. Let me back up again, my self-worth. If I select and I, I somehow receive that grace that God has given to me. He is helping me to be right and have a right relationship between me and God. And secondly, there's, I said, between manward. If I have that relationship right with God, this here to here, right with God, then it's going to change this relationship. And that's what Paul is saying, that, that I should receive, and, I, and he wants to give me a right relationship with man to man. And I wonder, perhaps this may be one of the worst things that we deal with, our relationships with each other. 
We fall out with each other. I've seen over the years, and guess what? I have myself. I'd want to shun somebody because I didn't want to be around them because, you know, maybe I've done something. They said something that I shouldn't have said. Maybe I didn't like them. I didn't, you know, my relationship was not right with them. I have had that before. Maybe it's a jealous relationship, you know, and it could go on and on. But the relationship that we have with each other is important. And I've learned this, and I think that grace is teaching me that if my relationship here with God is not right, then I can't have any other kind of relationship. But if it's right with God, it can work on this relationship. Now, just because I have this relationship doesn't mean necessarily it's going to happen automatically because that's part of who I am now. I'm living here on this plane with each other, okay? So I have to deal with that. If I've harmed you, I have to say I'm sorry. If I've done anything wrong, I have to say I'm sorry, just like I say to God. I have to say that. And many times I've seen this over the years. As pastor, almost 50 years, I have seen that this relationship right here is one of our worst relationships that we have in the modern church. This relationship that we have with each other. And, And we know who God is speaking to today. I know who God is speaking to in my life. I don't know who God is speaking to here. Perhaps everybody's relationship is here. And perhaps all, this relationship is good too. But can I tell you, this is what Paul is saying, the grace of God. He has come, he sent that son, his precious son to come here to die on the cross, to take all of our sins, that we could have life and have it more abundantly. He said, if we trust him, he'll give us eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, he paid the price and have that relationship right and then get this and right with each other. I would say this today. If there would be any, if there would be a person in this room today that doesn't have this relationship right, I'm going to invite you to come to know him. Get that right with God. If you're here today and you don't have this relationship right with God, the grace of God is teaching you, not Larry Beaver, but that this relationship has to be right. And it might mean that we have to get right with each other. Get right with each other because you see, for me to become this, have this relationship, I have to humble myself as a little child. I have to be humble as a little child as I come to him. Now, you know how a little child is. They may not bow on their knees, but they're humble and they're very, very touched. Your child does something wrong and you look at them and, and they start looking back at you and and they say to you, I'm, I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm, I'm. Well, this is what our relationship, he's Daddy God. And we have to humble ourselves as a little child, but we are adults. Our problem there. We're too proud to say, I'm sorry, Father God. We're too proud to say to a brother, I'm sorry that I have offended you. I'm sorry that I've talked about you. I'm sorry that I've 
have a bad relationship with you. I've talked with people over the years at various churches that people have come to church for years and years and years and have never, sp- have never spoken to each other because way back yonder somewhere something happened, little old frizzly thing happened back there and they fell out with each other and they won't ever talk to each other again. And they almost hate each other. How can they have this relationship right? If that relationship is wrong, Godward, manward, because now you think I've gotten out of the Bible and he says, and godly and godly in the presence of God. He's saying living godly in this present age. See that and godly in this present age live right. In this present world, the Bible says, and the light that you shine can change this whole world. Maybe the reason that we can't get some of our family members to even come to church with us is that they see how we live in the community. Our relationship is not this way. Our relationship's not even this away. I want to tell you something today. Grace of God can give us, and He can set you free today. You walk out of this room walking on the, on the clouds. While our musicians come, and I know our time is running a little longer, but you know the Holy Spirit is assigned this time to us. If you'd like to respond today with this relationship or this relationship or perhaps being a part of this family in a way that this family has a relationship together as far as like these have joined either by baptism, membership, or whatever. And Brian, if you would, you can go on up and be baptized, get ready to be baptized as we stand all over the room. Father, in Jesus' name, You've spoken today. I've tried to be faithful to you as I spoke about your marvelous, wonderful Lord grace. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
there's someone on our mind that we need to talk to. We need to deal with We might just say, I'm sorry. You know what? I, I just need to get our relationship together. And I'm willing to take the first step in doing that. I want to tell you something today. This is a policy sermon because it's about grace. And it's about setting us free forever. Grace and mercy that neither of us deserves, but is given to us freely. Thank you, Father, for today. We're about to baptize. I pray today, Lord, your Holy Spirit has moved our heart. Thank you today, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Get out your hymn books. Uh, we're going to sing 423, I Need Thee Every Hour. So 423. 